Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. day to you. Welcome to the session podcast. I guess it's a podcast now. Welcome to this, the Brewing Network's first ever podcast. <laughs> it used to just be a live streaming show. But now, Kara Taylor is here. She remembers when it was just a live streaming show. But now she's one of the cool kids who's all into podcasts. So I'll make this a podcast. Welcome to the Brewing Network's first ever podcast. I'm your host, Justin Crosley. I'm here with my good friends from White Labs. Brewing Company. They're here. They're actually White Labs East Company and Brewing Company. And uh, I don't think they've been on the show since they're White Labs Brewing Company. At least not that we've had their beer and talked about it. So we're going to do that. We're going to talk about all things new yeast. And welcome to Chris White and Kara Taylor. Welcome, guys. Hi. You're here. Hello. You made it into the studio. We made it. You followed my new rule. No more of this Zoom shit. I make everybody come to the studio right now. And you I guys love did, that role. You guys did that. I appreciate it. it. You flew in from, uh, not even from San Diego, you're from North Carolina today? No, I was in Chicago. Oh, Chicago, okay. Yes. Oh, visiting was, the family. I was, but I was also at a fermentation conference. Okay, oh, was nice. Act- it was really cool. Yeah, okay. all things fermented. Oh, right, so yeah. just like sourdough bread and like you name it. Coffee, kefir, kombucha. Okay. Um yeah, Sander Katz was the keynote. It oh, was right. a, Yeah, it was a it was an impressive lineup. Yeah. We had him on the show years ago. Oh, really? Yeah, when he came out with that like Bible of fermentation book. I was like a really big fan of the book. I just thought it was a really cool thing and he had such a great story and was nice enough to come and do an interview with well, to be on the phone. He did a phone interview with us. Oh, yeah, he has like 5 books now. Yeah. Crazy. I know. It was cool. Yeah. Is he still living on a compound? Did you talk to he, him? He 
he had clothing that indicated maybe he yeah. was still living on a compound. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, he was like, I'm telling you, if you go back to the interview, it's pretty fascinating because he was living on this compound and doing like medical research about fermentation too on this compound, which is kind of, I thought, interesting. But he, yeah, he's like the guy for every, if it's all like, like, all right, in my opinion, Chris White, welcome, Chris White. Thank you. Chris it's White's like the feedback. every Chris White's the fermentation guy to me, right? But there's something about Sandor Katz that he's like the wild everything else fermentation guy. He's a guru of yes, sorts. Yes, for sure. Yes. Yeah, there so. was Yeah, there, there was a guy from Japan talking about soy sauce. It was um nice. also there's a soy sauce manufacturing plant in Richmond, Virginia, I learned. Okay, wow. Yeah, no idea. They have manufacturing tours. I got to go. And yeah, why not? Well, and didn't I ask you once, uh, Whitey, I was listening to like a NPR or something. And at the time, they were either talking about an insulin shortage or a, or a, or just the cost of it. And I think I learned during that interview that insulin either can be or is fermented. Is that real? It, I guess it depends the way you use the word. Okay. Like when we talk about growing yeast or making beer or doing even a wild beer, we, we talk about fermentation. In the world of... Um, like medical. Medical kind of uh, production of things, fermentation means, as it originally meant, no oxygen. Right. So insulin, uh, human insulin is made in Puerto Rico and in Europe in um, in yeast or bacteria. One company makes it in yeast. One company makes it in bacteria. I see. They use a lot of oxygen. So we colloquially say fermentation. Right. You can call it fermentation, but technically they wouldn't call it fermentation because they pump a lot of oxygen to make a lot more yeast or bacteria so they can make more of the insulin they're trying to make with inside the cell. I see. I, that, believe it or not, that makes sense to me. So it's not like a traditional fermentation like I would think of, where you're reproducing yeast cells. You're reproducing something inside of those cells. And you're making the cells in order to make the things they're making inside the cells. Okay. It's, uh, it's, it's what Genentech started doing uh, originally as one of the first biotech companies in the world near here in South San Francisco. They're the first ones to make human insulin, and mm-hmm. they licensed it to Eli Lilly, and that's why it's made in Puerto Rico. And you could go down every drug, down different stories. This is just one story I know. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of the origins of biotechnology okay. um, on the pharmaceutical side, right? And so we sort of live in the food and beverage side in the beer and yeast world. But there, if you just looked at the fermenters, if you looked at the reactors, you know, you wouldn't see a lot of difference. You're like, they're making something mm. like brewers do. Yeah. But the sanitation, you know, the, the need for sterility is higher as a human injectable, uh, which is where we kind of have to get to in yeast even though obviously it's for beer yeah but we go more towards that direction and yeast production and um and you wouldn't see the oxygen going inside the reactor inside the fermenter but in brewing like we don't add anything you know you pitch the yeast and you don't add anything else usually because you're afraid of oxygen pickup you're afraid of uh contamination Mm -hmm. but in in uh, a pharmaceutical company they're adding buffers they're adding nutrients they're adding carbohydrates they're adding oxygen so every fermenter is fed with a lot of stuff okay 
Because flavor doesn't matter. No, they're trying to make a drug. They're yeah. trying to make more cells to make whatever they put inside the DNA to be able to be made by that cell. I see. And the first one was human insulin, which had a big impact on, you know, diabetics, yeah. especially type one. Yeah. Which I'm one of. So that's why I know the story. Right. I guess. And I think <laughs> that's why I brought it up to you to begin with. I was like, whoa, even even insulin is, is fermented. All right. We're diving right in already. I love <laughs> We're already learning things. I'm here with White Labs, as I said. And I also got to do a, a couple quick business things. I want to thank our sponsor, More Beer. Uh, always our sponsor of this program. You all know that. They have been since before we ever did our first show. Uh, Chris Graham says hello to you, too. We love him. He's sorry he couldn't make it today. Um, but go to morebeer.com and check it out. Um, you can buy White Labs yeast there. Uh, you can buy the Comos line of, um, of kegerators. Uh, I just used my, um, my uh, new Comos plate chiller jockey box over the weekend at a friend's um, uh, baby shower. Because, you know, everybody does like co-ed baby showers now. So I went to that and I brought beer. Have you seen this thing? So you know how the average jockey box has coils, like the whole cooler is full of coils, right? Um, Which is great for high volume settings. You kind of need that. You need those coils immersed in ice and ice water. So the beer constantly at a beer festival is cold. Okay, but if you're just going to your backyard or picnic or whatever. So I have a the Comos uh, jockey box is a roto molded cooler so it's like a yeti um but instead of being completely full with coils there's just a plate chiller at the bottom so the beer came through that perfectly cold for the volume of beer i was pouring at this this party this picnic and i got to stash a bunch of bottles and cans in the ice that was sitting in the cooler on top of the plate chiller Mm. so your your jockey box is now a usable cooler as you're pouring beer through the plate chiller that sits flat at the bottom of it. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. So go to morebeer.com, check it out, and I recommend every backyard jockey box person. You know, if you're the one who brings beer in a jockey box or you have a lot of parties, I think you should get the plate chiller one. Does it weigh less? No. (laughs) It does not. I feel like that's always the thing. It's like there's four. We have one at work has four (laughs) coils and I'm like, I can't even lift this thing. You know, empty. if it weighs less, it's not by much because no, it's still a heavy little thing. I just loved though. By the way, it poured perfectly um, in terms of foam and all that because it, boy, did it just come through cold. Um, But I just liked that it's also then a usable cooler on top of. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Anyway. I loved it. That's kind of nice. Uh, you know, those guys at uh, More Beer are very smart. Yep. And good people. They're so it's cool that they're also. innovating something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, and their kegerator, like regular kegerator, is in my RV. Oh. I have a Comos full-on three-tap kegerator. Did I know you just you, see his eyes? I know you like, I know you're, <laughs> you and I RV together. Yes. Whitey, you got to take a look at this. It, the, you know, I've got the giant Class A like you used to have. Uh, and <laughs> I had to downsize. I'm sorry. There was a there was like a little recliner type of chair there that I never used. I just put my dirty laundry on it, you know, just as you do. Uh, took it out, put in a Comos kegerator. Three hmm. taps. Right now you, I have three beers on. I have a cider. remove the chair or you just set it on top of the chair? I just, <laughs> yeah, I just removed the chair. <laughs> okay. Took it right out. Yeah. You it was like use barely the... clamped down. Yeah, okay. I don't know. These, these RVs aren't made like it, like they used to be. 
<laughs> you just pull things out like nothing. And now it fits, per- this kegerator fits perfectly right there. You'll have to check it out. You need to look at these things. So you pulled out your tool belt. Yeah. Okay. Uh, not even that. This just had like a hand <laughs> dial clamp holding the chair on. It was one of these like, uh-huh. it's kind of a removable chair. Um, what I didn't do yet is properly like latch down the kegerator. But it's been fine so far. <laughs> I mean, do you even drive that RV? Doesn't it just do. sit in one spot? No, no, I drive it too. And one of these days, I'm going to have to totally slam on the brakes. Mm-hmm. And bad shit's going to happen. But it hasn't happened yet. I've had to hit the brakes pretty hard. And I do like a little bungee cord setup. Yeah, that, that'll totally, <laughs> I think, yep, totally. Yeah. But it's so heavy. Where's it going to go? I don't, I'm that way. The back of your like head. Kind of half ass. Yeah. No, it's on the passenger side. It's fine. The back of somebody else's <laughs> head. I don't give a shit. <laughs> anyway, you go to morebeer.com and check it out. The Comos kegerators are great. Uh, and like the thing about that one too, you, you know, like at my house, I have one of those old um, True kegerators, you know, the brand True. It's like a commercial kegerator. I mean, things are workhorse, but it's really loud. You know, like the compressors go mm, on yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the Comos kegerators are more like a dorm fridge, so they don't have like a giant loud compressor. Because, you know, you can hear everything sitting in the living room of your RV. Like, you just can't. You hear every little thing that happens. So, I, it's just a little tiny sound. little... Like, that's all it does every now and then. Like, a little tiny... Little bubble. That's some ASMR stuff right there. It's a new audience I'm going to get right now. Branching out. Uh... I think you should take a look at these things, Whitey. Yeah, we uh, we were near each other at the Homebrew Con uh, in Minneapolis this year, and I was really impressed with uh, the stuff they had. Like, yeah. wow, they came up with a whole bunch of new stuff, including those kegerators and um, fermenters with glycol. And Oh, yeah. Yeah. Glycol at home. <laughs> Seems ridiculous, but they're innovating. Yeah. All right, go to morebeer.com, check them out. Tell them we said thanks, too, uh, for supporting this show. You can support us by hitting the donate button on our homepage. It takes you over to PayPal. You can like you can donate once. You can sign up for uh, like a, a recurring monthly donation. I know so many of you have done it over the years, and it's it's why we're still here, I promise you. It's, it's why you're still listening to this program, so thank you for doing that. Um, also, if you don't want to spend any extra money, you could do your Amazon shopping. Just click the Amazon link on our homepage, and then just do your normal shopping. Like, you won't even know that you're... Sending us cash that way. It's a great way to do it. And of course, support all of our sponsors. Uh, just uh, There's a whole sponsors page. You can go click on that and, and just let them know that you, you love them for supporting the Brewing Network. If you want to uh, send your feedback to the Brewing Network, just send it to feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. And uh, we try to answer every email or read it on the air. And you can say anything you want. Uh, we don't care. Good, bad, whatever. Just happy to hear from you. All right. Well, before we dive into all things yeast, uh, why don't we talk about this beer in our glass, which was brewed at White Labs Brewing Company in San Diego, California, uh, right in the same facility that you make yeast, right? Correct. Got the Correct. brew house right yes. there, uh, and you and that's kind. Of, so, of course, you've got the the the, the tap room there, where you can go taste uh, White Labs yeast brewed beer of all sorts of varieties we've talked about this on the show before where you might take um one style of beer 
but split batch it between, I don't know, four different yeasts or something. Yeah. And you can go there and you can taste through that and really get to know um, the different flavors that yeast makes in, say, the exact same wort, right? Yeah. Um, and then you've expanded a little bit. You can get crowlers. You can do different things. And so what do we have here that's from White Labs Brewery? Yeah. So, okay, we've got... We have the, it's a light American lager. Mm-hmm. So I know this is your favorite style. I do like a light lager every <laughs> now and then. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this beer was originally designed when I did a talk at CBC like two years ago talking about low calorie, low carbohydrate beers. Ah. Um, and because I think that, you know, there's a huge seltzer market right now, and I think our the beer industry is sort of fighting that a little bit on terms of a like, eh, it's not craft enough. Mm. But we we see the we see people want that, right? Sure. So um, I wanted to show people how to make a beer that is low calorie, low carbohydrate, and it can still taste good. And you can make this in a craft style because even a lot of light lagers that craft breweries are making aren't really that light if you actually look at the analytics of them. Okay. So in order to create this, um, obviously it's a very, you know, low malt profile. Um, We don't have any adjuncts such as corn or, you know, dextrose in it or, you know, table sugar. But um, we did add an enzyme in it. And so that enzyme allows to break down um, those larger dextrins. And so we get a drier beer, essentially. And um, so this particular beer is about six carbs per 12 ounces. Sorry, I was trying to think what, what, yeah, it's per 12 ounces. And so for reference, um, Michelob Ultra is 2.7 grams carbs. That's one of their big claims. Yes. And that's definitely like one of the lowest on the market that I can think of. Okay. So, um, and it's about 113 calories per glass which again we're not constantly talking about calories all the time we're you know we're thinking about this but you know i think it's an important style because more consumers want something lighter and um and you know i like to drink like eight beers so yeah you can drink eight of these instead of just like one right you know maple voodoo stout or whatever those things are called <laughs> yeah just you name whatever it is yeah yeah maple voodoo cupcake stout yes exactly yeah um so uh, this is this beer is delicious like too, but. yeah and this is made with the american um lager yeast okay so this one is the other oh. one sorry this is probably not the best place to yeah, don't don't pour the beer on them. Um, it's also the Mexican lager yeast. This one they added lime to, like all great craft oh, beers. Yeah, there have, it is. I can you smell know, it. lime in there a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, again, another favorite strain of mine is the um, is Mexican lager. I think it's so good, mm-hmm. very underrated. Also, don't have to make Mexican style lagers with a strain. I think it's just delicious as as is also. But. Um, these are both delicious. Yeah, I think. I mean, obviously they're a couple days old in a crawler, but um, yeah, like overall, I think they're they're super super delicious. Are these filtered? No, uh, probably biofine. Uh, you know, a, okay, a yeah. clarifying agent. Yeah, we don't have a filter. Are both of those yeasts just highly flocculating too, or would you? Or that's just a, a good great amount of biofine great biofine techniques. Well, we we give them time too. So the Mexican lager yeast is WP nine forty. The American lager yeast is WLP 840. Okay. 
Yeah. Um, and we, uh, you know, we, we give them a good, you know, four weeks of conditioning time. Okay. So, yeah, they're really clear. Uh, the light lager is something not a lot of craft breweries have done. More and more are doing it. I mean, Lagunitas and Sudwork in this area around you, Justin, have uh, beers on the market for about with about three grams oh, right. of carbs uh, in a 12-ounce. So it's doable. Yeah. You know, the enzyme process goes back to Miller Lite. That was the original German method that Miller Lite employed okay. to Miller to make Miller Lite. Uh, and they called it diabetic beer, you know. So oh, it was yeah. for diabetics at yeah, the time. Yeah. Because nobody knew carbohydrates really except for diabetics. I mean, it's something that a lot of people recognize now, but I spent my life talking about. Most people thought I was crazy. Yeah. You know, because... It, you know, especially if you're a kid with diabetes, you understand carbohydrates. It's something that controls your, that you have to work with blood sugar. But everybody in my whole life talked about calories. And there's a lot of people out there probably shaking their head listening to this now that they've kind of understood what calories mean versus carbohydrates. And carbohydrates, the idea that there's some, they're all just sugar. Yeah. It's all just sugar. So the idea that there's carbohydrates that are okay, of course there's some that are slower. They just become sugar. Your body makes sugar out of anything that's just a sugar chain, right? Unless it's fiber okay. and a couple other things. Anyway, same thing with beer. You know, that residual, uh, and we drink all those other beers too. We're just starting with this beer, so we might as well talk about it. All those, the carbohydrates that give, have the, the uh, you know, the uh, what's left over in a grain fermentation become sugar in your body. So the idea that beer doesn't have sugar is a little silly. It's not really understood. It's become sugar yeah. as soon as you drink it because okay. we have enzymes in our mouth and our body and the microbes in our body that turn those carbohydrates into sugar okay. within about 20 minutes. Wow. So anyway, when you treat it with an enzyme, which is what Miller did to make Miller Lite, goes back to the 1970s, and now some craft breweries are doing it. It's a really light-tasting beer, so it's not going to be for everybody. It's just something... Um, that has a yeast and enzyme interaction. Anheuser-Busch decided not to do that when they came out with Bud Light. So they do a three-hour plus, I think, mash because they just want to make it more fermentable without using the patent. I see. So, so let me. Stop <laughs> you don't here. have to do the enzyme process to make an American light lager. Okay, because that was going to be my question. It sounds to me like okay. So this low carb, this 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 six. I think you said six grams, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is not exactly yeast derivative. It's just your regular American lager yeast that does attenuate down quite well, but then it's this enzyme that reduces the carbs. Am I getting that right? Yeah, so it's a, you know, the yeast don't have the amylase enzymes, okay. right? Or glucoamylase in this case. And we humans do, we have them in our mouth, right? And and the microbes we have inside of us, but yeast don't. So yeast only can ferment the simple sugars you give them from the mash. Mm-hmm. So we mash our uh, grain. We all, you know, I think a lot of people doing all grain would say, okay, it's done in an hour. It's done in a half an hour. No, it's actually not. If you, that's why if you do an overnight mash, it's going to ferment drier. If you do a three-hour mash, it's going to ferment drier. Okay. We kind of s- settled as an industry as on one, one hour. hour, yeah, you know, and that gives the right terminal gravity, but the enzymes aren't done. Okay, okay, there's still more uh, work the enzymes could do. 
So you do a longer mash, you can do the same thing as the enzyme, similar thing, but you can't break some of the chains that the glucoamylase can do. Um, and and you can, you know, but the, the, the part that the yeast do is they're going to ferment the sugars, the simple sugars, up to multi-trials that you give them. Okay. That's why in a wine, since it's from a grape that's uh, simple sugar, they're going to ferment it to zero. Okay. In beer, it doesn't ferment to zero, not because of the yeast, but, but because of what they're eating. Because <laughs> there's uh, these carbohydrates. In the yeast world, that really means something. They can't ferment those. In the human world, we can we can digest all that. Okay. That's why I think carbohydrate's a weird word versus just calling it sugar. Yeah. But the rest of the biology does have a, a reason to call it that. So... Uh, you give them the right amount of carbohydrates, they'll ferment lower. The Miller Lite process, what that meant was if they ferment lower, it's going to make higher alcohol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So then they, therefore, they would have to dilute it more with the water they already used in the process of canning and bottling okay. and kegging. So craft breweries are doing it in a little bit different way, not really adding water, usually just sort of starting with a lower gravity starting material. Okay. That's all. And then in this particular case uh, of the the White Labs beer, adding this enzyme. Correct. Yeah. So it's an amylioglucosidase. Okay. Super easy word to pronounce. Yeah. Uh, And it's our product ultra firm. Um, And so, you know, we have it in homebrew and professional sizes. But yeah, it's and it's relatively inexpensive. Yeah. So, um, you know, pretty easy to, to use. And we add it into the mash. You can also add it into the fermenter, but it will go to terminal, like, you know, it will just keep chewing it up because you need to either boil it, you need to boil it in order to uh, deactivate it. Oh, I see. Yeah. Which is why it's better in the mash because it does its work there. Correct. And then, then you boil. leaves fermentables for the yeast to just do the rest of the work. Yes, correct. So what if I did it in a, I mean, what if I made my normal six and a half percent alcohol pale ale? and I put these enzymes in that mash, is it also going to reduce the carbohydrates in that beer? Yeah, so think this is actually the same process that um, when brute IPAs were really popular, this is the exact same thing, right? So people were using this enzyme um, exactly for this. Unfortunately, brute IPAs had a terrible name because the consumer had no idea what a brute IPA was. <laughs> Sounds and, like it's going to beat you over the head. Yeah, but I was so excited by this and because it was a low-carb IPA, and I thought it was awesome. Yeah. But um, unfortunately, no one came up with a cooler name. So now there's a lot of low-calorie IPAs, and it's essentially that same brute IPA, uh, brute IPA recipe using the enzyme. Um, and so both of these are the final gravity is point nine nine eight or negative uh, point five Plato, depending on what units you'd like to use. So okay. yeah, very low. Mm-hmm. So I kind of have the same question for this that I think I had about um, what's the gluten one? Clarity Firm. Yes, Clarity Firm. Yes. And, oh, see, I, even, I remember after all these years. Where I was like, okay, so Clarity Firm, this enzyme you can add that you guys aren't allowed to say that it makes your beer gluten-free, but you say it makes it gluten-reduced. And we've talked, I can say the word, so you you can correct me or not correct me, that it essentially can make your beer at such a low gluten level that it's it's mostly undetectable, right? Well, so my question back then was like, well, why wouldn't every brewer just put this in their beer? (laughs) Because... 
I kept asking you like, well, what do, what else does it change? I mean, does the flavor then yeah. suffer? And you guys are like, no, that, nothing's really going to suffer. Um, and and you weren't, yeah, you kind of were like, yeah, we think every brewer should use it. They just don't want to or something, uh, or make this gluten reduced product. So yeah, I guess I kind of have the same question about this: is it, it, does the flavor suffer in this in this hypothetical pale ale I just asked you about? So yeah, so think about when you had a brewed IPA and think about the body, right? Because this is essentially what you're doing is breaking down that body. Okay. So we're not drinking American light lagers for a big a big body in it, right? So it's the we, perfect style. Exactly. For that. Yeah. We know what we're getting with that, but you can do it. Essentially, you could do it with any beer style, mm. but you're going to have a much lighter body, which is what. Okay. A lot of people, when they were drinking brewed IPAs, were like, it doesn't, it's not the same. I'm like, of course it's True. not, right? Yeah. But like, you can't, it, you can't have diet beer, essentially, and uh, right. expect it to be exact, you know? And you'd, uh, uh, so in my hypothetical, if I just took my pale ale and added this, well, then I'd have this weird, overly bitter, kind of thin, like it would just, yeah, by removing body, it does affect the rest of the recipe. Yeah, so if you think about it too, like um, Britannomyces does the same thing, right? So oh, Britannomyces yeah. will, what we consider to be over-attenuate, really, really dry. And so the way that we counteract that is by usually doing a really high carb on some of those beers. Okay. Right? And so that is like replacing some of the body. But if you just tasted a Brett beer, very, you know, no carbon carbonation, Flat, it gets yeah. kind of like, it's a little watery. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the body sense. that we kind of now expect from beer, based on that hour mash or less, is is what we expect, right? So if you break those carbohydrates down and it tastes different. So ultra firm or any kind of glucoamylase, and it goes by some different name, nomenclature names, like Kara said, uh, but you'll it'll be drier. Hmm. It'll be thinner. Mm-hmm. And so that's not what a lot of people expect. So we don't spend a lot of time drinking this beer either, even though we started this conversation with this beer yeah, uh, because yeah. it came from our brewery and we're kind of talking about it. But I still, my favorite is still IPAs, right? Yeah. Um, but if you used ultra firm or a glucoamylase on your pale ale that you wanted six and a half percent it'd probably be seven percent or more i'm not doing the math right here because it's going to go drier yeah okay it's going to make more alcohol which is actually going to give you some more calories from the alcohol that's why if you water down a little bit to remove the 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 lower the alcohol you have less because you have less calories because you have less carbohydrates sure you know so it gets a little complicated from a, a brewer commercial breweries labeling perspective but all the uh um, that testing is all there. I mean, it's not as a plug for White Labs, but we do all that testing. We do nutrient labels. You know, that's yeah, what yeah. Kara helps manage. And so since some of these beers are coming out with people wanting to do these kind of things, people are sending us more samples for nutritional labels. Even if the it's not going on the beer, because traditionally beer hasn't had a nutritional label, uh, because the federal government in the United States basically doesn't want people to think beer has nutrition. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, although now that's changing now it's going to totally reverse. And within a few years, you're going to have to have a label available for a beer, yeah. whether it's on the beer or not, or available for. Yeah. Also markets. when I was at Eureka today, they had all of the calories for every food item on the menu today. Yeah. No one wants to eat somewhere where you have to look at the calories before you order something. <laughs> yeah. Not but, a burger place. <laughs> But there's laws now, and they might 
have finally reached the size. Yes, yeah. Because it's a, a certain amount of locations like or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So they might have. I was had. like, that is very <laughs> awful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, 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 it just, it's just overreach, right? I mean, yeah. it's just one of those things where, hey, let's let's make all these manufacturers, even small ones, figure out what the calories are so they can put it on a menu. And you know what? No one's going to care. No. no one's going to read it. So it sounds good sitting around a table, maybe of politicians, but I'm yeah. so, I'm sorry. These things are worthless. Yeah. Nobody's looking at, did you make your food decision? I Kara, totally did, but this is like, calories? I'm a girl. Yeah. Uh, I, so well, I'm totally wrong. I 100% was looking at it and I was like, God, I guess I'll just eat half of that. Uh <laughs> I feel like if you're already going to make those decisions, it's because you're already pretty aware and you're making yourself aware of what calorie contents are in certain foods, right? So maybe today you were somewhat surprised because it's Eureka, but you're already counting calories. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm already what thinking. I'm you're, yeah, so if you're not thinking about it, yeah, yes, of course. Then you, then you wouldn't care. So the average, if you're not already counting calories, I guess it might... I. Actually, I will say I've been turned, and I don't count calories, but I've been turned off a time or two, especially when it's in comparison on the menu and you're choosing between two things and you're like, oh yeah, there's like a 1500 calorie difference. <laughs> That's a big old deal. But I still don't, I still think it's overreaching, by the way. I mean, I don't think it's mandatory. sales gone down since no, labeling calories? Well, so from not. what I heard yeah, is that no. Starbucks actually, yeah. that's why sometimes when you go to a Starbucks, they don't have a full menu. And mm. it's because of that. They don't want to put all the calories next to the Frappuccinos. Oh, right. And so they just sort of expect that you know yeah. the items that they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of genius, but yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a little break and move on from this topic. But before we move on to this topic, I just I did want to mention because because you talked about having to water down beer if you were really not using enzymes and, and, and things like that to, to get to the calorie content you want. And years ago, before any craft brewers were talking about this, uh, Dan Gordon from Gordon Beersh would come on this show. And back then, I don't know if you remember, but they used to make um, uh, GB Light, uh, Gordon Beersh Light. And he. I'm pretty sure he wasn't too happy about it. It was a, it was an investor thing that he was asked to do. And I remember asking him, like, how the hell do you make light beer? I was really curious back then. And his very simple answer was, add water. We, we yeah. They weren't doing anything in Zomatic I'm finding the crap, more craft people and, uh, doing the same thing. They're add, taking add their water. Pilsner and adding water. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and his thing at the time, and I, I do think he was exaggerating, although it, it did make a lot of sense to me at the time. He said, you know, if you're really worried about, you know, carbs and calories, because what he was saying was all the calories are in the alcohol anyway. So you're still, right. whatever the alcohol content is matters, but everyone's talking about carbs and not thinking about those calories. He said, ultimately, what are you really doing when you're drinking beer? Usually snacking on some bullshit. So his thing was like, <laughs> eat one last bag of chips, one less bag of chips while you're drinking your beer and you're probably fine. Um, I do think now that has changed. I do think now, even with beer, consumers are counting every calorie. And we're seeing it in this little moment we are in craft beer, right, where we're seeing a little reduction. And like you said, hard seltzers, uh, craft cocktails, ready-to-drink everything, RTD shit. Um, So Dan Gord, this was 10 years ago when Dan was saying this stuff to me. Now I think the environment is different. And in some ways, calories matter. Not to all of us. I'm still going to drink an IPA. Well... You know, me too, but I'm used to all my life. I'd be people making fun of carbohydrates, but mm-hmm. there's a much more knowledge about it now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's still, it's still surprising how, 
how people through lots of reasons we're not going to spend the whole show talking about this but uh <laughs> don't uh don't have that language and um anyway so i'm, I'm sort of used to that but uh beer does have carbohydrates those carbohydrates turn into sugar yeah um I just think that knowledge is okay. Like, I don't spend my time drinking these light lagers. I drink IPAs, too. Mm -hmm. I know what they have in them, and I could be thinner or whatever. Yeah. And better better blood sugar management from what I have to do with if I had a light lager. But I like the flavor of IPAs. But you And there may be some bridge in the future, you know. And But in the meantime, uh, just, and I'm just talking about you personally, I've spent so much time with you, you are strategic about it. If you yeah. and I are out for several hours, went to a baseball game today, mm-hmm. um, you know, we might throw an IPA in there, but you know if we're going to have more than a couple beers, they can't all be IPAs. Right. So even though that is your go-to, you're still strategic about that for your own health. Yes. You know. Yeah, and they are hard to make, too. Like, uh, So we started White Labs Brewing Company 10 years ago. You know, White Labs was 27 years ago, but we wanted to do the brewery 10 years ago, and we only started making these light lagers and within the last year. Mm-hmm. We dumped a lot of them beforehand when oh, we were right. trying to make them because they are very hard to make. Yeah. To hit that low uh, final gravity, to have something that tastes right and not too thin or too weird. Mm. And so we're happy to show these today, and more people are making them, which just gives another option. Craft breweries have to keep expanding what they do um i mean seltzers is an example but let's get back to beer a little bit i think that's better for breweries and this is maybe one one thing for the future and there's also lots of other things people haven't thought of yet but we do have and we're gonna try some more beers after the break right we do have this information on white labs brewing co website okay so you can get there from white labs you can get there from white labs brewing co but anyway we put all the analytical data on the site, we compare different yeast strains. We can same beers. So we always make the same beer with two different yeast strains. Okay, so that's what we're trying here. So go right now to whitelabs.com. You can look up the two beers that we have. Is it just called the American Lager, American Light Lager, and the yeah, Mexican Lager? Yeah, they should lager? be on there. Yeah, because they're on top right now. And that, and, that's um, the name, though. There's no like fancy name. It's just American Light Lager and Mexican Lager. Correct. You yeah. guys don't have like no. It's it American Light Lager, and then it has the the two different yeast strains. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and. Oh, I see it on the website right now. So yeah, you yeah. can go right there and then you can get the analytics of the exact beers that we're talking about over at whitelabs.com. All right, we're going to take a, a really quick break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about more, including all new stuff from White Labs. And if you're looking to learn about better fermentation and yeast in your beer, you're listening to The Right Show. Hang in there. It's the session. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the session. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We are enjoying your company. We hope you're enjoying ours. And uh, we're still tasting through some White Labs beer. We've got more. Uh, they, they sent us up a few things. A few of their cool-looking new crawlers, which I like very much. And Kara was kind enough to overnight us some beer. So we got some fresh stuff going on in our glass. And this time around, we're going to taste through some IPAs. Mike White. Uh, Chris's uh, brother just joined us in the studio wearing his Giants gear. I'm proud of you. Even though he's an A's fan, he's still representing. 
Chris and I went to the Giants game today, which was great, other than the Giants losing. Uh, but everything else about it was fine. Uh, Chris and Mike and Kara, too, uh, this year have been on a baseball park tour uh, of sorts. Every time we go to an event together, like the Homebrew Conference and the Craft Brewers Conference, we try to make a baseball stadium stop along the way. I think um, at least me and the White Brothers uh, are nerdy enough that we want to tick off all the ballparks at some point in our lifetime. Kara, while I think you enjoy the baseball parks with us, mostly put up with us. Yeah, I'm, I'm there for the alcohol <laughs> and the food. Yeah. <laughs> but they're fun to go to. I just know you, Kara, like you, you put up with me a lot. And you're like, no, I'll totally go. I like the food, I like the beer, even a little baseball. But I'm like, a nerd like I got to go see this part of the stadium and that part yes. of the stadium and you're like okay Justin yeah you also you're like not a lot of talking while we're <laughs> yeah, watching no, no I want to watch yeah. yeah you have favorite pictures and stuff I want to um, go or like I want to be there an hour early to walk the whole park like to me it's in a, it's it's my new hobby I could start the baseball park network where I wouldn't I'm not even knowledgeable enough about baseball to talk sports I could just talk about stadiums I could just do that I did I tell you that I sat next to a guy and um he had to be in his 80s and on a plane recently and he was doing a baseball park tour with his buddies and he called it summer camp for old men and I loved it and it was so so cute I could see you and Chris doing that in what 10 years is that, is we're close to that yeah. well but the one comment I was going to make is good for him because if I'm honest and I don't mean to be morbid but my buddies <laughs> when I'm 80 are what I've got like two left like you guys are going to be in rascals instead you're just yeah. going to be in those. but if you're doing stuff with your buddies at 80 good for you yeah that, that many are still around that it's plural yeah, <laughs> is what I'm saying. You know. Yeah, and baseball parks are so interesting, right? Because they're so unique, right? Whether they're professional or minor league, they're all different. They have different dimensions. They have different aspects to them. Different foods. They they tend to bring in some of the local food. So to me, it works as well with craft beer and local food as as other things with your friends. Um, and it's just another thing to see in cities. Um, exactly. Uh, it's a local flair. Yeah, and international, too. I mean, it's not just the United States. Of course, it's South America and Puerto Rico, things like that, but it's also Japan and Taiwan. It's all, it's uh, it's, it's oh, really yeah. interesting. Uh, uh, the, how, the Padres and the Giants, see, you'll like this, Kara. Korea. It just got announced yesterday that for the first time ever, the Padres and the Giants are going to play a major league game in Mexico City next season. Oh, we should go. That's my favorite city. I know. You love That's it. That's my favorite city in the world and so far. They've yeah. been doing, the MLB's been doing games in the UK, uh, they, and they try these different, so they're trying all sorts of new things. Um, and anyway, uh, baseball's actually big in Latin America, and they're going to go to Mexico City next season. So Great. we can make a trip out of that one. Let's do it. Right? <laughs> All right, let's now talk about White Labs and some and some pure pitch stuff. Because since I've spoken to you, there's now the next generation of your latest technology, right? Yes. I mean, the, the main thing that started us 27 years ago was E-strains, right? So we, 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 we do the brewery, we do analytical testing, we do these other things, but what we mostly do and what... 80% of the workforce at White Labs works on, and we talk about every single day is yeast. And yeast strains, we've built up almost 80 
different yeast strains that we make every single week, starting with California L yeast, WP001, our first strain. Yeah. Still and the most popular, I assume. Still the most popular. Yeah. Uh, it has, uh, you know, just such amazing properties to make um, clean beers, but also awesome IPAs, which is really what got it, you know, uh, us even making more of it uh, was when IPAs got popular in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a thing in the 90s, It was, uh, but California used to work good for the other beers like pale ales and, and blonde ales and things like that. Um and now your your tremendous number of offshoots of other styles and sure. uh, uh, juicy and everything else we could talk about. So we're doing that's why it's not just California ale use company. We have you know eighty strains that Kara and other people have to f- figure out how to manage to make those every single week. Yeah, wow. can you imagine a brewery trying to make? 80 different beers every week yeah, uh, and three different <laughs> facilities. It's something we do because we care about these yeast strains and we do it in very small batches, really micro batches. We don't, we're not some big batch company. We make very small batches every single day. Is it measured in um, barrels? Like can, can brewers relate if we say how many barrels these small batches are or do you uh, not measure it that way? Yeah, yeah, they're 400 liters. Yeah, 400 yeah. liters, four mm-hmm. barrel-ish Got it. size. Okay. Is, is We used to have anywhere from something very smaller to 20 barrel. Okay. Uh, and we standardized on 400, so four four barrels, yeah. which is very small size. You yeah, know, But sure. a whole sea of them. <laughs> right. So um, in, in the facility, so we make, that's how it allows us to make all these different strains. And uh, and in, in fresh form you know every day making all these little micro batches so i think some people think we make these huge batches and we make a lot of wort but we distribute it among a lot of different yeast strains and that's one reason why we did the brewery too because when we needed more wort production and we said let's go with all grain let's do a big brew house let's Mm. do a four vessel brew house you know why not also put some fermenters in and make some beers. So yeah. while that brew house in San Diego and Asheville, uh, um, we don't have the same one in Copenhagen because they don't have a brewery there, but later they will. But anyway, when we all all week make wort after wort after wort for the east side, you know, a couple times a week, we'll make a batch of uh, beer wort and put it in the fermenters, the double stack fermenters we have, uh, to, to, and then we'll take um, 10 barrels into two five barrel fermenters or 20 barrels into four five barrel fermenters. Mm. And so we split every batch down to make these different yeast strains. But we're trying to do a brewery that's non-competitive too. We're not trying to get, pick a whole bunch of tap panels, do this stuff. We're trying to do educational sure. little brewery, sell the beers in our own tap rooms. And, and, and you, um, when you say non-competitive, you mean... Your customers are brewers. Exactly. Uh, We're not trying to take... and yeah. pro brewers. And so, yeah, you're not looking for market share to sell beer. Exactly. Um, in fact, I would... I don't know if you... You don't have to talk about it, but my guess would be the, the beer center is not a profitable place of the White Labs facility. Uh, other, than, It's a showcase place. It wasn't even designed to... Not just to not compete, but you weren't like, hey, we're going to sell a million dollars of beer out of our tap room. It was really just a showcase. Right. Our target and where we were in 19 and kind of coming back as things happen is around 1,000 barrels. Yeah. A okay. Year. A, a year. Yeah. Yeah. Really low volume. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's more than some people. That's a lot less than most people. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, there's a lot of smaller, small breweries too that that would be their, their you know, thing. Lot, yeah. You know? So, yeah. Um, but for us, it's mostly uh, the yeast. Okay. So over the years that I've known you, of course, when I found White Labs, you had uh, the vial. 
which we have here in the in the studio. The good old and and boy, did people love. Uh, let me put it on camera over here. Uh, boy, did people love like the vial. It just you know simple, effective. Uh, sat on a shelf, right? You twist off the cap, you dump it, um, and a, a lot of companies would have just rested there they rested on their loyals you got you, you had found a nice package that that worked for so many different parts of what you do but you it didn't work for everything that you wanted to do uh, you wanted a, a a cleaner technology you wanted to advance the technology um, so you came up with the first iteration of is it because this was pure pitch too, or was the new one just? No, that, we just called that vials. Okay. We called and the it new our one yeast. Was pure pitch, and and actually that has a kind of uh, more beer connection. Uh, mm-hmm. One of your sponsors because they said because uh, originally I had a different kind of package um, in the nineties, and it was it was kind of not very robust. Okay, and more beer said, look. Because I wasn't shipping yeast much, I was just sending it to a few stores, and they said oh, it's it's not holding up. It's mm-hmm. not strong enough. Mm-hmm. So I set out a quest to find a stronger package for more beer. Got it. And that came to the vial, uh, which um, was really unique to find at the time. Um, do you know what that's used for, Justin? So I do, uh, which is one of the reasons. Um, I think it's one of the first times I was like, "Man, that Chris White's a genius!" Right? <laughs> um, it. It's the, the, the original vial, I guess you call it, it was a blank for two liter bottles, right? That they would yeah. blow for, up into yeah, two liter soda, soda bottles. bottles. Yeah, exactly. But it started as this tiny little package, which is about six, seven inches long, uh, very thick plastic. The cap on it is exactly the same as you'd find on a two liter bottle, but the manufacturing process would expand this into what we know as a two-liter soda bottle. Right. But you didn't need to expand it. You just needed the preform. Right. And those weren't really in any commercial products in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So right now you can find it in candies and energy drinks and stuff like that. But in the 90s, for somebody who didn't know anything, like if you didn't see it in retail, you didn't know it existed. Right. And so I had to go a long like search yours. to kind of figure it out. And we were able to pull some off balls line in LA and, and things like that. But it didn't hold up for the long term. Uh, you know, actually, yes, we could have just stayed with that. Yeah. We would have been more profitable over the years <laughs> without trying to reinvent stuff <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. But to me, the yeast wasn't the best in it. Okay. Uh, it developed a little too much pressure. It wasn't the exact size we wanted. We started having problems getting the vial because of the introduction of Chinese manufacturing and mm-hmm. ball not doing as much. And, and then uh, the huge amount of plastic that might be in it because it's supposed to stretch. Yeah. And so for those reasons, uh, I started really looking at uh, some other manufacturing methods. And so we also kind of saw something going on in the pharmaceutical industry with growing uh, these microbes. We talked about yeast and bacteria for making uh, cells to make drugs. And uh, and they, they had kind of gone to single-use vessels, a lot of them, instead of stainless, because you could verify that they were sterile in a much easier way because they're blown under this high heat. And then you can irradiate them, and it's not a CIP method. So I was intrigued by that, but with the added caveat, if we could grow yeast in film instead of stainless steel, we could seal the yeast in that film. And so that became pure pitch. So let me just dumb that down for me, 
and anybody else who's like me. Uh, when you say single-use vessel, so what you used to do with the vial, it's propagated, it's grown, you, you, you have this, this very clean um, yeast to all of your standards grown in stainless yeah. steel, but then it has to go through a process of being put into a package, which is the original vial. Right. You know, there's one thing about making the yeast, and that's what we concentrate mostly on. Uh, from the from the lab process, we got a 21 day process. We really care about getting yeast in the super high vitality state, so it can withstand uh, a long term um, out there in the in the market. Because you know, say a brewery grows their own yeast, it gets pumped into a fermenter. Say a home brewer grows their yeast, it goes into the fermenter. Yeah. For us, we got to ship it around the world. And that was always a big deal for me. Like, how do we keep it in the best condition to ship it around the world? So while we mostly care about the yeast itself and making the strain, you see these different iterations, same yeast in different packages, as we're trying to get it better delivered Mm -hmm. around the world. So the pure pitch idea was it's not exposed to oxygen, which it's not the same as beer, uh, in terms of flavor, it's about yeast thinking oxygen should do something, uh, and uh, and contaminants, of course. Mm-hmm. So instead of collecting it from a stainless steel vessel as you would do with the vial or any other kind of liquid yeast, you know, and then packaging it into something, uh, we grew it in the film and sealed it there, so it wouldn't have any um, kind of. Any opportunity for contaminants or, or things. Yeah. So it was a really uh, single a novel vessel, thing. Yeah. We were able to patent it. The yeast condition is fabulous, but we lost the cap. Right. So I <laughs> so I was around for this innovation, and I was around for all of the. By the way, and and we won't go into it because we could do a whole show, and we have talked about it before. We're talking about a tremendous amount of equipment that had to be designed designed from the ground up, um, taken yeah. from some other industries and taken cues from other things. But you still, you and I remember Trolls at the time and, and, and all you guys at White Labs really having to go nuts to build this package right here, uh, which, uh, and, and I remember the excitement in you, Chris, because of, of what you really believed in behind this single package, no uh, opportunity for contaminants, um, and, and just really felt that it was a, a purer pitch, like a way, wow. um, and then you released it um, to, to some fanfare, of course, um, and I think people really understanding the technology, loving it. But of course, there's those of us who are creatures of habit, and that's right. where the, the I do remember, and I think it was even frustrating for me f- on your behalf because I saw the amount of work that went into to this right here. Which, by the way, you just snip off the top and you pour it in. So it wasn't really that difficult. <laughs> but and I'm allowed to say this: you're not you're not criticizing your customers' complaints. <laughs> I'm just I just find pe- uh, those of us because I'm also a creature of habit. Boy, are we sometimes lazy. And then anyhow, all you had to do was cut it off and pour it in. But people like the things that they sort of fell in love with. Yeah. Okay, so you. Again, not resting on your laurels, went back and said, okay, well, what's next for us anyway? Which I think was more than just a twist off. But we could start with the twist off. The new, the next generation pure pitch, you brought back the twist off cap. Let me see one of those that I can put on you the, want the uh, homebrew. Want the big one? The homebrew one. The homebrew one. If I can, is that all right? Yeah, it's, it's you're not the first, even out yet. You're the it? first to show it. Is, is that all right? 
fine. I never get the scoop. That's awesome. You got the scoop. So this is ju- this is going to reach your homebrew store soon. If you're watching on YouTube, or you can go watch on YouTube. It is uh, pure pitch packaging, which we'll talk about because there's innovations to that. But it's got your it's got your twist off reusable reclosable cap right there. Um, so you got the here. Where's the? Give me the vial too. We're gonna go. We're gonna go. <laughs> you got the you got the vial was a uh, step one. You had uh, pure pitch, uh, the first uh, generation, and then you've got next generation uh, pure pitch, which you can now, those of you who didn't care about anything else except that you wanted to twist off a cap, that problem is solved. But there's more to it than that too, right? There's so much to it. It's been a three-year project uh, to make the yeast better because that's, again, what we care about the most is the yeast itself. Uh, so we grow that in a different reactor. Like I say, we grow it in film, but we were able to get the cell count exactly the same. You know, it's cells, but pretty much, you know, to get to hit a certain number in every uh, in every collection. Mm-hmm. So therefore, we were able to build a calculator that could tell you exactly how much volume of our yeast you use to get you exact pitching rate you want. So Mike uh, was a leader in that uh, with a team, of course, and um, and uh, he's really good about working with teams because uh, it's you just it's, have to throw that in there. Yeah, it's he's tough. Like, uh, a lot of person- we got a lot of people in my labs, a lot of personalities, a lot of really strong, driven people. Yeah, I'm uh, not one of them. Definitely. Not. No, she's very quiet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Karen never gives her opinion. <laughs> So uh, Mike's uh, bless his heart, man. He's uh, he's we're had a lot of patience working with these teams from websites to or you know ordering to to, to planning our yeast production to to uh, to uh, our calculator. And so the calculator is uh, really new because it it. So is that what the QR code is? Yeah, the QR code takes you to the calculator, takes you to the QC sheet that we've done on all the yeast, takes you to the uh, the beer, the, to the yeast. Uh, in fact, that's a live QC right there because that's real yeast in there. We're mm-hmm. making them right now. We're just kind of using them ourselves before we go to to the stores. The stores don't even know. Yeah. Um, so this is a real... Real breaking news. First breaking news <laughs> line. Okay, so I would so I could scan this QR code, yes. which again, if, uh, podcasters, if you go to our YouTube page, you'll be able to see it, um, or look for it on the shelf at your local homebrew shop soon. Um, and then it's going to take me to the batch. And then when you say calculator, so I'm going to punch in the beer that I'm making, and it's going to tell me if I need one, two, or five of these vials. Like, what what do you mean by calculator? So. We've we've already been out with Pure Pitch Next Generation for over one year. Yeah, for uh, the pros. For the pro sizes, uh-huh. which I've got some uh, here for you, and some of the pros listening probably uh, have used them because most of our yeast is in that format now. Okay. Um, there's just a few more things to figure out with the homebrew and the retailers and everything. So uh, we started with the pro first, and, and the calculator, if, there's the calculator live right now for the pros. It's just we haven't released the homebrew one yet because homebrew is not out yet. I understand. Um, I still want to know what the calculator does specifically. Yeah, I was just getting there. Thank you. <laughs> I tend to give long answers, but <laughs> no. Uh, but I, you know that I, the show's not four hours long anymore. The, the calculator is all about customizing. Okay, but it's got something that's never existed in a calculator before, to okay. my knowledge. It's a pitching rate oh. slider. Okay, 
So I just scan the QR code. Yes. And the first thing that comes up on my phone, it's a it's a handsome looking web page, by the way. Uh, is that going to show? You're yeah, clearly not show. on TikTok. Yeah. You know, you got to like do the whole behind, put uh, your hand behind it when uh, you're showing. You know, it worked. No, my camera's great. It worked. And uh, so I have when I click on this uh, QR code, I've got the QC report. Mm-hmm. Oh, that the quality control so report. QC, I've stuff. got the strain info. I could hit that button, mm-hmm. or I can hit the yeast calculator button, which is what yeah. I'm doing. And the strain info also has the White Labs Brewing Company information on it. But the, okay. the calculator. Ah, is and so now cool. I go to my calculator and I can put my unit of volume, which would be barrels, liters, or hectoliters. Right. Right. So let's say I'm doing five hectoliters. I just yeah. I have a really big home brewery. Uh, I can put in my pitching temperature. Yeah. Right? Fahrenheit or Celsius. We found most people used to always be 70, 72 Fahrenheit. Right now it's 65. Interesting. All, all the breweries out there, the craft breweries in the United States, man, they've gone to 65, which is cool. It's great. It's Well, it's also cool temperature, but it has <laughs> yeah, yeah. an impact on yeast, right? So uh, PP, our PP&G, the Pierce Next Generation, is all about more yeast. We haven't even talked about that yet, but it's more yeast. But anyway, it takes that into account with the 65 degrees. How many how many liters is like a, a five or ten? What's a ten bar a, a, a ten gallon homebrew batch? How many liters? Because I'm going to switch to liters. Well, no, no, no. Stay it's, it's on the five hectoliters because they we haven't done the homebrew one yet. Oh, okay. It's not It'll that. show the oh, same. Oh, you point. can change the mm-hmm. units also. Okay, so hectoliters and That's then five hundred liters. I'm taking yeah. notes of Justin uh, using the, it. the I'm doing five <laughs> hectoliters. I'm going to pitch at seventy degrees. Uh, actually, can I change that? Sure. To what do you say? Sixty five is now very common. Okay, um, and then my starting gravity. You can choose uh, Play-Doh, bricks, or specific gravity. You the default here is twelve Play-Doh. Everybody's uh, again like the most common now. Commercial breweries, craft breweries in the United Play-Doh, States is yeah. fifteen Play-Doh. Okay, fifteen Play-Doh, sixty five degrees. We've done so much work with the breweries to over the last three years to do this, and also the twenty seven years, but. It's funny that that the Play-Doh has gone up for most breweries and home brewers too, really, and the temperature has gone down. All right. So for this, because I'm doing five hectoliters, should I I get to choose my packaging on the calculator too? Should I pick Should I pick Pure Pitch Pro for five hectoliters, or should I pick the homebrew? Oh no, it's not on there anyway. Yeah, All right, I'm doing Pure Pitch Pro. Yeah. All right, and then we're gonna calculate. Um, we'll see how we'll see how you did here, Mike White. I'm calculating, calculating. I got to hit it twice. Uh, okay, the recommended number of Pure Pitch Pro pouches is one, one pouch, <laughs> which is going to give me seven point five three million cells per milliliter. Which is a big old pitch, right? Yeah, it's a good pitch. It's a really good pitch. Okay. Um, and then there's a button where if I'm not happy with that, if I still don't believe you, if yeah. I think that Chris White and his brother have lied to me about 7.5 million cells, <laughs> I can hit the customize pitch rate button Yes. and do it myself. <laughs> we changed that name yesterday. That you did? You used to say advanced, and nobody knew what advanced was. So, oh, customize uh, is perfect. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I think that was my idea. Was. I'm going to take it. was Kara's idea. I went to, oh, and now, it, now I have found the pitching slider. Yeah, that's... And if I slide it, so right now it's at, of course, where you've already recommended I should be, and it's telling me that that position on the slider is, quote, 
ideal. But I, I don't believe you guys. I like to spend money, and uh, I feel like, you know, I read a science book once. Use now, Mr. Multi. And now I'm a professional brewer, so I don't Great believe sight. White Labs. <laughs> and I just moved it over a little bit, and now I need three pouches to get myself to 22.65 million cells per milliliter and i and i can go farther by the way that's just in the center of the slider um i i think you were right to do that yeah the slider gives you all this customization so you're seeing what we've been had out for a year with the pros the homebrew one will look very similar one pouch two pouches three pouches you can use fractions of it because it has the cap and just cap it again it's same sh- uh, viability up to its shelf life. We've done yeah. a lot of work on that because of the film. We changed the film. We made the film even more breathable. But those ones you were looking at were these pro sizes right here. Yeah. So they're yeah, lightweight. What I was looking modular. at on the calculator, which of course, yeah, very so similar. Any pros yeah, out there, you know, that have, have used those sizes probably. Yeah. Um, the pro also has a spout. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Got the uh, the twist off spout, and the spout actually gives us an aseptic way to add it to the fermenter. Oh, uh, on the pro, on the pro, we have a little pump called the our aseptic transfer system that you can attach it and put it in the bottom of the fermenter. With the homebrew unit, for those homebrewers out there, I know you're just gonna you guys are gonna find some DIY ways of just adding something that screws onto that, and you go right into your fermenter and you just squeeze it in. There's no air contact at all. So a cap also gives you an aseptic way of adding the yeast. Nice. Nice. Uh, um, Just less air contact. Yeah, again, just to try to get the actual pure pitch that you guys are looking for. Uh, So I just wanted to go back to the calculator a minute because I I know what's going to happen is people are going to ask, am I supposed to make a starter? You know that that's the question that's going to come up. Yes. And I, so, and that is one of the things with Mr. Multi, right? So, Mr. Multi is going to tell you you should buy 15, uh, you know, pure pitches or <laughs> you should yeah. make a starter of X amount, right? And we know, okay, we haven't, we haven't sent Jamil a lot of data to right. be able to update that in a while. But I, I sort of now have a new controversial opinion on the starters because I have found that I cannot do anything to convince people to not make a starter anymore. Okay. I can show them all the data in the world. Yeah. People that make starters like to make starters. So I just say, make a starter if you want to make one. Right. So Chris didn't get to this yet, but this size is double the amount okay. that uh, is previously in the... Um, the original pure pitch. So this is a 70 mil, uh, this is 70 mils and which is great. So I would likely say you don't need to make a starter, but someone still is going to make a starter and they love it. And so if you want to make a starter, make a starter. So let me point a, uh, put a fine point on that visually too, because I'm a visual person. Uh, and, and the Mr. Multi calculator, I don't know when it was, uh, you know, Jamil's uh, calculator, I don't know when it was updated, but it used to be based on the vial that I'm holding in front of the camera right now on YouTube, uh, for those of you. Um, and he used to say, yeah, you need more than that if you're not going to do a starter. Um, then the, the first generation of Pure Pitch, which is now sitting next to the vial on the camera, um, these two together make up one of the new, the next generation pure pitch. Do I have that right? These two together now actually constitute the volume of next generation pure pitch. 
Yep. Yeah. About right that's there. It. Okay. That's, that's great. We should use that. I still think Kara's a million times right <laughs> that every homebrewer that we meet at the homebrewers conference is still going to do a starter. But for those of you who aren't set in your ways and are still experimenting or just want to trust the folks at White Labs, there is a calculator on the back. Um, <laughs> try one. And so, or try what the calculator tells you. How well, about that? How about I say it the, that the nice thing about Try what the calculator yeah. tells you. Jamil yeah. always likes if a lot of If you pull yeast. that microphone towards you right there, uh, Mike White, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say one of the intriguing things about this, just like Pure Pitch Next Generation, is it's actually a lower price. Um, All right. Because uh, while it's double the pitch, it's not double the price. Uh, nice. Okay. And, Great. Uh, so I think efficiencies uh, our, have. Our customers will enjoy that. Plus, just to let you guys know, um, you uh, you won't see the calculator for Pure Pitch Next Generation Homebrew until we release it. Okay, that's fair. Uh, and you're not going to get the QR code to find it anyway um, until they release to the public. So yeah, everything that, we're that talking about. But it does look good on my phone. I'll live. You right if, uh, yeah, you did it. Yeah. Um, because uh, we've been using that on the pros. Uh, and these are, um, we're going to leave some samples with you if anybody wants to use these. Uh, I mean, these are real live. This is California LEs WP001 that we're making every single day in these uh, Pure Pitch Next Generation pouches for our own internal work and uh, with home brewers we know we we uh, yeah. worked with some clubs well if local, any club wants some let so us know Joe's, i know you guys are out there when you listen to the show uh i'll put these back in my walk-in fridge tonight here at the hop grenade if you want some homebrew um why don't you come get it and i think i might walk down one of these pro pitches to our new brewery here in Concord, Sidegate Brewing Company. Oh, great. Um, we had them on the show not too long ago. I really like those guys. And why not give them a little pitch to, to try out, right? You're leaving that with me, too, I'm aren't gonna you? I'm going to leave them with you. Yeah, that those are, that's Charlie Papazian strain, uh, his fist bump, 1983, WP 1983 strain that nice. we grow for him. And uh, uh, we've got uh, – uh, that's enough to make uh, five hectoliters or five barrels. I'll just say five barrels. We're here in the United States. Yep. Five barrels of uh, ale, or oh, sorry, five barrels of lager, or ten barrels of ale. Heck yeah! Uh, because we got some temperature things on there. Again, more stuff you can see on the calculator. Uh, I really like the calculator because it ties in a lot of the other calculators. We're talking about Mr. Malty because mm-hmm. we uh, all love Jamil and uh, yeah. we know him here. But also, um, there's other ones. But what they, what you can do with our calculators, say you can use the slider and say here's. Maybe you want a million cells per mil per degree Plato, or 0.7 million cells per, per, per mil per degree Plato, or 1.5. Then you can see what that corresponds to our packages, and then you can see what it corresponds to the calculator. So you can kind of use these calculators together. Um, no matter what volume a homebrew pouch comes in, uh, those calculators are going to tell you to make a starter. Mm-hmm. Because even if it's 200 mils or any of the vendors out there, it's going to say to make a starter because uh, these calculators are built on a pretty high pitching rate, right? Which is fine. But uh, we're just trying to say this one will give you 7.5 million cells per mil in a nail. Well, in anything, right? But that works great in nail. Sierra Nevada's revolution, you know, use that pitching rate for a lot of their history and that's not a secret um and their beers are fantastic yeah um 15 million cells per mil 
Double that has been the logger rate for most of history, like Pilsner or Kell and other things. Not a secret. Um, and so really standardizing, here's this recommendation, but you can use whatever you want with a calculator that shows you how much you can use. Okay. And that calculator took a few, almost three years to build too. I don't know. It sounds kind of like, why can't you just build it fast? But there's so many little details in there. I hope the home brewing community and the commercial brewers already are finding, but sometimes they don't find our calculator. Yeah. Or they think we've said, oh, this is what you have to use. We're not saying you have to use anything. Yeah. We're saying this is a tool that shows you can use whatever you want. Here's, Here's a, a pouch with, yeah. a, with a cap and a port that you can use as much as, or as little as you want. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Before break, we have a couple beers in our glass. Yeah. The, we've got two IPAs. They are um, Smath IPAs. Have you ever heard of a Smath IPA? No, I thought they were Smash. Yes, because someone messed up and now it's a Smath <laughs> IPA. It's a I saw that, but... single malt yeah. triple hop instead of single hop. Uh, nice. They didn't mess up the word. They, yeah. met, they, they, they messed up the recipe. recipe a little different, so that's why they call it Smash. I mean, Got it probably it. Yeah, tastes yeah. better anyways. Do, does anyone really like Smash beers? Uh, no. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, I've only tasted the first one, by the way, the clear-looking yeah, West Coast yes. version. So that's the California Ale Yeast everyone knows and loves. And then the other one is the Charlie's Fist Bump, which you oh, can nice. tell. So this is Charlie's Fist Bump is... Um, same hit. wort again. Yeah, same wort. Yeah. I mean, you can see how... how one's hazy, hazy and one's and not. not. Interesting. So his strain is a little bit less flocculent um, and then also designed to be in an ale or a lager. Uh, so we use it in in you know both both recipes, but um, you can tell it needs some fining agents. Yeah, that's so interesting. This is what I love about this concept that you guys do with the splitting the yeast between the same word. Yeah. So the first one, the 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 Cal Ale, I know it's an IPA, but and this is a compliment. It, it's a to me, it's a it's like a Sierra Nevada. It's like a fresh Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. It's got like that firm, I don't know what hops are in there, but to me they taste like the Cascade, like they taste like Sierra Nevada yeah. hops. Uh, it's got some classic sea hops. It's um, bittered on the lower side of what would be a brand new IPA, which makes it to me taste like a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, which used to be <laughs> on the higher the side. IBA, the IBUs uh, on that are 61. Oh, is that right? Yeah. we. Um, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's no. a good. I mean, it's a good IPA. It's it's bigger than a than a Sierra Pale Ale. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it's but 6. it's just 5, but yeah. it's reminiscent of it. It's clean like it. It's the Chico yeast or the Calale yeast. I know, but that's its other colloquial name, right? Um, yeah. And to me, it's like following in that pedigree right there. That's like a nailed it to me use of Calale yeast. Awesome. Yeah, I think so. Tell me, yeah. it's sea hops. Am I completely wrong on that? <laughs> I'm completely wrong. Well, well I don't even it. know. What the heck is Euconaut? Oh, Equinaut, right? Equinaut. Yeah, I think it's Equinaut. Yeah, Euconaut? okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Simcoe Cryo is in the dry hop. Fuck it. I'm completely yeah. off. No, I totally, <laughs> I mean, job, I get it, right? Go. I totally get that. Um, uh, too bad. Oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, it's wonderful. <laughs> it's a good IPA. And then, yeah. the Oh, there's Warrior in it also. Mm. Well, that's old school at least, but it's not a sea hop. Um. Yeah, and then the 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 fist bump, the Charlie Papazian's yeast, is completely different. Yeah, I like and it's it got like too. a mellow bitterness, like a hazy does and should. Yeah, right, like a less uh, rigid bitterness to that. Um, yeah, that's a tasty beer too. Yeah. Both good IPAs. What are they? Seven percent. Six point five. Yeah. Okay. I could taste the half percent difference. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. These are great. These are good beers. There's, who's who's brewing your beer right now? Uh, Craig Tump. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been brewing what a little bit over a year, and okay. previously of Modern Times and Stone. So, uh huh. Yeah, Craig's doing, doing all beer. right. Yeah, no, he's making a beer. Yeah, I like Craig. Craig's doing great. He's got a good team, great great team in in, in San Diego that uh, brews the beer. You know, uh, uh, with him and. Uh, uh, you know, under that direction. And so our guys making wort, our brewers spend so much time making yeast wort. They just love to make a beer. Yeah. Like, well, right. Could yeah, I make yeah. a new wort? Yeah. Like, <laughs> with just something out fun. Wort. Yeah. yeah. It's all grain. It's all the process, you know. And, and uh, are they pumping through wort through that system 24 7? Is mm-hmm. that how every much day, wort you guys Yeah. Need? Every day we have a, at least one or two runs. Yeah. One, okay, so it's not a 24-hour process yet, but it's a couple batches no, a day. No, it used to be. I oh, have made changes to that. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. Okay, We have gotten more efficient. You, okay, yes. We have Asheville doing the same thing. Yeah. Right? So Asheville helps the production, and then Copenhagen nice. does a lot of Europe. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we've been able to uh, give some lives back to the people in San Diego. Very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, and cut uh, labor. Like efficiencies <laughs> are important too. But yeah, and efficiencies. I, but you know, yeah. um, do you know what it's like to be a manager and you have to? People are working twenty four hours a day. It's the worst. Oh so. gosh. Yeah. Oh, we did that. <laughs> you for can't years turn your phone years. on silent. No. You just wake up and you're anticipating something to be broken. So oh, no, yeah. 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 That is rough. No. Craig said something kind of interesting. I think the world of people working out here in your audience find interesting. I think he said reducing the schedule has actually been able to help him keep brewers. Oh. Because that's something he can say, like, you can have a weekend or you can have a night. Uh, like something we can offer. And when you think about how hard it is to retain people right now. Seriously, that's a like really a really tough thing post-pandemic. Um it's a, a sort of an un, uh, uh, unforeseen bonus, yeah, yeah, that we can do. Uh, that I thought was interesting perspective from from Craig, you know, and, yeah. and yeah. like the different managers have that now in their back pocket to say, well, you, you know, have a day off, yeah, you can have a yeah. day off. <laughs> well, I yeah. years ago I went to Creature Comforts in Georgia, and they had talked about how they were not a twenty four hour you know facility, and they thought um, night shift was you know just terrible for humans in general. Um and they really tried hard to not not do that. I don't know if they do that anymore. But I remember hearing that and I thought that's so interesting. And I we've now been able to succeed at that. So good for you. I love it. Yeah. This is why you're head of operations, Kara Taylor. Yeah, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, a little bit more from White Labs and Pure Pitch Technology. Hang in there. It's the session. Welcome back to the program. Thank you for hanging out with us tonight. We are still chilling with the White Labs crew. At least most of them. Chris is still on his way back in from the from the break. But that's all right. We are here hanging out, having a good time. Uh, we've got Mike White in the studio, and we are learning about all the new uh, White Labs technology. Uh, we did get through their beers tonight, which are wonderful. really like what you guys are doing on the beer side. Um, and you're you're keeping things moving on the innovation front. Now, a couple things that, that Chris mentioned is the different places that you, you make yeast now. So, Kara, like you spent a bunch of your time in North Carolina right now too, right? So yeah, San Diego's still White Labs' uh, uh, home base, right? Yes, but you are uh, being um, head of 
operations are kind of running around making sure everybody's uh, doing what needs to be done, right? So it seems to me like you're about half time out in North Carolina right now. Yeah, so about six years ago, we built a, a facility there, and it's about equivalent in terms of size as San Diego, okay. but more efficient in terms of two stories versus three buildings. And uh, Okay, yeah. So, yeah, and then also we have the restaurant that we... Oh, right, yeah. Which, um, you know... Honestly, I have to give it to Chris because I have poo-pooed the restaurant idea probably from day one because it just sounded like a nightmare and he has really pushed through <laughs> on it. Yeah, um, yeah. But ultimately, you know, we're we're essentially fermenting our um, our dough with our yeast. So it's all it's all um, our yeast. So right Brewer's now we're yeast dough. Yeah. So okay. right now we're using um, the kitchen's using Kvike yeast for it. Oh, yeah. The Opshog strain. And it's about, he could probably chime in, but it's about a 72 hour rise or, you know, fermentation on that dough, which is really unusual for pizza dough. And, um, did you guys start with the Kvike yeast? I felt like no, you started with we something had a different else. Train. That's we what I started with English ale yeast. Okay. Um, and now we've added the kitchen to San Diego too. So both facilities have the kitchen with oh, the nice. tap room. Yeah. Um, Asheville's kitchen and restaurants just bigger. You know, because you've seen our tap room in San Diego. Yeah, I don't know so. where the hell you put a kitchen, but I'll have to come down and see <laughs> oh, that. It was my office. Somebody's old oh, office. Right, okay. It was my yeah. office. <laughs> All right. Oh, so that's why they shipped you to North Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> but now you look at the kitchen, and you never know it was an office, right? It looks like it's always been a kitchen. Right. So yeah. that's how these things work. But um, yeah, we're using our yeast, and anybody making pizzas out there or other things with uh, dough, brewer's yeast. We didn't invent the idea of using brewer's yeast. I mean, brewer's yeast was what everybody used in Europe a hundred plus years ago because there were breweries everywhere, right? Yeah. So go get some yeast. Okay. Uh, And so the rises were longer, but guess what? You know, when you do longer yeast contact with flour, you develop flavor. Right. Okay. I mean, to brewers, that should make sense. I mean, it does, right? That's why it made sense to me. Let's try this. Because we could make a beer in a day or we could make a beer in 10 days. And the 10 day, you know, the contact time with the yeast is going to develop more flavors. Sure. Okay. And so what happened with baking was it's almost disappeared from the the vocabulary of bakers um, about flavor unless you go to a specialty pizza show or something which in Vegas every year it happens and they talk about it but out there in the general area uh, it, it's it's more rare it's not absent I'm not saying that. It's just more rare. And it's People a lot talking about, about performance with the yeast. texture and, and <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh you know, um rise, right? Yeah. Performance. It's all about performance, but if you get if you want this yeast to perform in an hour or two, you ain't get much flavor from it. Okay. So you're getting gas bubbles, which is cool. And so you what I what you might notice is a lot of pizza doughs are a platform for ingredients, but there's very little flavor in the dough. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Um Two exceptions, you know, wood-fired pizzas uh, have a flavor from the fire, not so much the dough, and sourdough. Sourdough is the only kind of baking product people think about in terms of multi-day fermentations and flavor. Okay. That's actually brewer's specialty. We know how to repitch. That's all sourdough is, right? We know how to use yeast. And so we're just trying to do that in our little kitchens to kind of show this. Uh, that it can be done, and there's a flavor impact. Mm. So in North Carolina, we're using a wood-fired oven because there's wood. 
California, we don't have wood, and maybe we can't even burn wood, so we, <laughs> right, we don't yeah. have a wood oven. Yeah. But uh, uh, and so, the, but the the recipes are the same, and people say, oh, you can't use the same recipes in the different ovens. Yeah, you can. <laughs> you can. Nice. Little tweaks, but you're basically the same, and you see how they come out. And uh, you know, I, I always prefer the wood oven, but uh, uh, I have a little one at home. But um, I don't know. The, the whole story was you can use brewer's yeast because brewer's yeast yeah. is the best yeast. Okay. All the other yeast out there are faster, they're easier, they're simpler DNA. But anything you could ever think of using yeast for, folks, you can use brewer's yeast. So when I've it was, heard it over was time- maximized to make flavor, not to be about a fast performer because over the years i've heard oh yeah no you don't you you don't use bread yeast for beer and you don't use brewer's yeast for bread the and they've said it i've heard people say it doesn't work it's because they didn't give it enough time it's because they expected it to rise within a couple hours is that what kind of you're saying like it just takes time right so the words in vegas at the pizza show was multi-day fermentation Right, so it's not something new. It ties in again with uh, sourdough stuff, but people are realizing, and again, or re-realizing, of course, that you give some dough a longer contact time with yeast, and flavors come out. So what we notice with the seventy-two hour fermentation is more gas bubbles, Mm. more CO two, so a bigger dough, uh, a bigger crust. Uh, which fires nice under wood for anybody doing that at home or with their own pizza kitchens. Use your own, use your brewer's yeast, folks. Um, okay. And uh, and flavor. Uh, a little bit of sourness because, of course, it has. Uh, there's nothing like as sanitary in, in baking because you're just, uh, as brewing, you're not boiling the flour, right? So you're getting some bacteria to grow along with it, which adds some sourness to the dough. Which is fantastic. I mean, Justin, you have a place next to you here at a Hop Grenade. We had a a, a, a bagel this morning, and you got a, a sourdough bagel. So I said, oh, I'll get that. And it was the most sourdoughy bagel I've had in years. Yeah, they do a nice job. And uh, that is just so, like, I love to find that detail because yeah. often you just order the sourdough thing, and it's like, eh, a tinge of something, right? Yeah. But this one was a great sourdough bagel right next to you here. Oh, yeah. What did, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, I, I've been uh, sourcing a lot of books on this, and really you're going back to 1920s England to find resources on uh, reusing brewer's yeast for bread and all kinds of other items that you're baking. Hmm. And there's a, there, that, if that wasn't the tradition back then, I'd be surprised. Uh, and I would, I, I would hope to see this um, uh, continue across pizzerias uh, uh, around uh, around the U.S. because it, it has a huge impact on flavor. And um, and we've had so many questions about it. We've now put the, the recipes down, and they're available at our tasting rooms on how to uh, do it at home. Oh, nice! WhiteLabs.com. Check it There's out. a QR code on the pizza crust. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. It's just print it right on. Yeah, it's burned into it. It's a laser etch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
What did Sandor Katz have to say about brewer's yeast in fermentation? Did he talk about that at all? Did he, he specify no, yeast? No, he didn't. Um, you know, actually, the most interesting thing was talking, um, this guy from Nespresso was there. And okay. he was talking about how they're isolating yeast from their coffee cherry ferments. So, you know, like the coffee... It's a cherry around it, and then the coffee bean is fermented mm-hmm. and then processed. But they're isolating the yeast because they have realized that controlling the yeast within that coffee ferment changes the flavor immensely, and they want to control the flavor. Right. Um, and so it was just so interesting. So they're basically trying to figure out um, from sensory panels, even beyond the roasting, which, you know, you think roasting would just kill, you know, all your chance of the fermentation doing anything. Um, and now they have one product on the market right now that is like, a, it's called a dry fermentation. Okay. Which I still didn't quite get entirely what was going on with that, but it was super interesting. So yeast. Yeah. All, it, yeah. It's so fascinating to me. And I've talked about this before on the show, although probably, probably years ago now that, um, Something that seems as old as time, at least as old as uh, um, humans' time on Earth. Like fermentation is one of the oldest things that we have, right? Like, you know, going back to, we didn't know how it worked or whatever. And we still don't in so many ways. And I was, when I got into this business, I was so fascinated at the amount of data that people were like, were like, oh yeah, no, we just write this stuff all down now. And all I thought was like, why are we just writing it down now? Why has it taken even this long for us to focus on fermentation even more? So when you bring up coffee and they're like, oh no, they're just learning that if they do it this way, I'm just always so surprised. Because, and we've said this about beer, fermentation and beer is as simple or as completely complex as you want it to be, right? So I'm always fascinated by how, when we talk about what we're learning about fermentation, and by fascinated, well, I mean, like, how slow are we? Like, we're I, still I, just learning about fermentation. We, people don't care about history much, mm-hmm. right? We all think we like history, and, and there's history. But look at politics, look at the world. We don't really follow our history. And yeah, I would yeah. just say fermentation has been lost in history. We aren't discovering new things. We are in ways of new ingredients being used. But okay. beer is one of those fermented products that didn't die. Because brewers, way before us, learned to make it taste good. Mm -hmm. They trained that yeast. They domesticated that yeast to help make the flavor be good, right? Because they were reusing the yeast. That gave them the opportunity to domesticate it. Fermented meat, fermented fish, kind of awful. You know, unless you grow up in that culture, and there's different cultures that have these things, mm-hmm. but there was no opportunity to domesticate that yeast into making things taste better. Yeah. So, but you beer, know, back was. in the day, you had fermentation, you had salt, you had fire. Yeah, but fire needed fresh things, right? So uh, these things are all old because uh, Homo sapiens are old, but, but uh, in terms of history, but, but only, you know, only certain things survived. And right. I think beer is an example of something that survived because it got really, really handled well in Europe. Sure. Uh, by country, peoples and countries, current countries like Germany and Austria and England and, and uh, Belgium and things like that where 
they spent time really trying to figure this out and domesticate the yeast. And here we are today with something that's still barley, hops, water, and yeast. So simple, but but so hard to make. And you're right, because even its domestic survival was not, I think, extensively documented. It was extensively passed down. Just do this. This is what you do. Just trust me. This is what you do. Yeah. <laughs> and and then generation after generation just did that, and it did work, and it continued. But it wasn't until sort of modern beer that we started going, but why does it work? We get it. You figured out that this yeah. is what works, but why does it work? Well, and you do and, that. And where and, would you write it down? Like originally, yeah, like yeah. writing, I think, was about taxes and like keeping track of people's stuff. Sure. It wasn't about making something, right? So that was passed down. And it wasn't a serious science. Yeah. It was serious business. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to... I think that beer has always been like serious business throughout human history, but it wasn't serious science. It was just... I'm, I'm telling you how to do it. If you do it this way, it's going to keep yeah. being good. We see this a lot in distilling. Distilling is a great Very example yeah. of... I think a lot of those big, the big producers even don't entirely know why they're doing something, but they know that's been passed down and this is the yeah. exactly what it tastes like and this is what the consumer wants. So we do it this way. Right. Yeah. And but now we pick things apart a little more. And by the way, all those methods, in fact, just what you just described, they worked to preserve this type of fermentation and to keep it alive and going. But now, in recent years, because of all the whys and the hows, and we want to tweak it this way, we want to tweak it that way, we have more serious serious scientists, like yourselves, like taking an interest of like, well, just, but okay, but why? <laughs> and then now, so anyway, I'm still just, I'm fascinated by it. Because fermentation, again, is so simple and so freaking complex at the exact yes, same time. Yes, and now you have restaurants also looking at taking their leftover materials, whether it be pasta mm. or rice or mm. something else, and fermenting it and then using that as a sauce. And, <laughs> using, and finding, you know what, they're, what the funny story about these restaurant stories about fermentation to me is? They say the food costs have gone down. Mm. <laughs> I would never think about food costs, right? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. everything I've done has made everything more expensive. Like, <laughs> right, I, yeah. so I'm the worst CEO in that terms because I, I make, <laughs> yes. I make things cost <laughs> more, <laughs> like to make because I want it to be better. Right. Yeah. But what people have realized in some of these restaurants is, gosh, their food costs can go down if they ferment their their waste materials waste meaning just stuff that can't go into a dish but it's fine yeah yeah and then using it back in dishes right uh and i think uh this will keep expanding in popularity because the best restaurants in the world that keep winning these categories are doing these fermentations interesting so it's it's all not only costing less for these restaurants they're also winning these accolades for flavor right yeah. And creativity. Yeah, increasing their their productivity. Yeah, creativity. so anybody in their yeah. home kitchens or their own little restaurants might start experimenting with this. Yeah. All right, I'm waiting for you to write the giant fermentation book that I have from Sandor Katz, <laughs> Mr. White. I want yours next. Oh, 
I uh, think I bought it for you. I feel I loved it so much that yeah. I bought it for you. I love the book, <laughs> and I'd love to write more. But uh, Karen might know, like I love White Labs. I yeah, love everyday gotta... meetings, working on things, details. Yeah, uh, and I I enjoy it, Three and I, I I love the people at White Labs. So that if anything has kept me from more writing, it's it's the company. I yeah. just love the company, the people in the company, the things we do, and I don't know. I just I, where I spend all my time. Why isn't Mike White your ghostwriter yet? I feel like he's your ghostwriter. Maybe the future. <laughs> uh, yeah. But Jamil, who helped Chris uh, and, and uh, wrote the book with him, uh, his first book, yeah. was so amazing. He is good. Uh, I could not surpass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amazing skill level. You By could, the way, he was great on your last show. I mean, I really enjoyed that. He he, you know, I invited him. We I had connected with him over a beer, and it just I hadn't seen him in a while through COVID because he's been immunocompromised. And I just had such a nice time just hanging out with him. I was like, Jamil, you got to come back on the show. So I was really happy. Uh, I'm glad you said that. I had a really good time with him and 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 the whole crew. And now uh, because of his crew that he brought in from True Symmetry, we're now bringing hard seltzer into the hop grenade on tap. Oh wow! We're going to be doing flavored hard seltzer to try another segment. You know, see if we can stop saying no to people. I've you know since Maybe I started this company, just dudes inside. It might. <laughs> well, we call them bros. Bros. But, uh, yes. Oh, maybe it won't be just dudes. Yeah. Yes. Maybe. Maybe we'll see. <laughs> we're going to try. We're trying new things. All right. Well, listen, uh, we always have more to talk about every time we get to the end of a White Lab show. So luckily, uh, we're friends and you guys will be back on soon. Kara and I are working on our own podcast. We haven't decided. Yeah, we have a lot of topics. It won't be beer, but we've we've been we've already came up with another one. History. You already (laughs) got you have a history history. podcast starting soon. Yeah. Yeah. May I just to be lighthearted suggest that you create a podcast about how to be. strong opinions at meetings and, <laughs> and see if that contributes to longevity. There could be uh, many meetings on this. Uh, <laughs> uh, Is this a leadership podcast? I'm a leadership podcast. Kara's strong-minded and she's brilliant, of course, in all of that. Yeah. But, um, I, I'm not sure she loves meetings. <laughs> not everybody loves meetings. Yeah, I'll tell you I, that. To, I, w- I forgot to mention I earlier that I did. I I quit the calculator group because I was so frustrated. <laughs> oh, so yeah. when when Chris that. said it's taken years, it really has, and I I quit at some point. So well, you, you know. I like a team approach, <laughs> and team approaches <laughs> take go. time. Yeah, and patience. I got I got a bucket load of patience. Mm. Right. Uh, you do. Yeah. And so I. I want things to come out right, uh, the East, the calculator, that different thing. So I like a team, and some people don't like teams. Some people want to do it themselves. (laughs) Uh, We having a meeting right now? (laughs) I'm a team player. I I was a football player. Mike and I loved playing football and uh, and, uh, up to up to through high school and uh, we weren't good enough for college but anyway I like team sports and that's how I I try to run the company see I always land right in the middle of these kinds of discussions in fact almost every discussion and I'll tell you why it's because I'm kind of brilliant but second of all (laughs) I see both sides of these things and I'm going to tell you this right now this is going to be my statement for you all to take home with you both listeners and the people in this room Meetings for the sake of meetings are fucking bullshit. 
and I've never liked them. And I do think that people rely a little too heavily on meetings to just talk their ideas through. Spend your time developing your ideas before you come to the meeting, is what I think on one set. Mm. Meetings for the sake of meetings, I'm just going to go out, I'm just going to say it, are bullshit. Be prepared for your meeting. Uh, spend time developing your thoughts and then go through that process. Once you've gone through the process yourself, go ahead and have a meeting. Although even then, I'm kind of against them. Uh, on the other side, of course, I understand the team player thing. And I'm good in meetings, even though I hate them, because I understand all the sides. And you, there's always a certain amount of politics involved in a team, in a group meeting. You have to understand where people are coming from and be able to get your message across in such a way. See, I've thought about doing a podcast about leadership and communication. Oh, I, I love this. I'm already I do have up. a degree in it, but I it's been so long that I feel like my credential list sucks. It's like, oh, you have a degree in it, <laughs> no. but what have you done for 15 years? Fucking bullshitted <laughs> about beer. So I feel like my... Uh, anyhow, don't have meetings for the sake of meetings. Come prepared to your meeting, but then you do got to listen to everybody. Now... If half the people in that meeting didn't follow step one, I'm with Kara. Not that this was your argument. I'm just, this is my perspective. I didn't say that this is your argument. I don't need to sit through you coming up with your ideas in this meeting. Some of this, you needed to do that before. (laughs) So my patient. I would just say, Justin, you know, I think you are the 75 percentile saying like meetings are that. I would say the problem is Mm -hmm. what you just asked for doesn't happen. So the United States is known from people working with different countries. People Mm -hmm. in other countries go, why do the Americans always want a lot of meetings? Mm. You know why? Because not a lot is done between meetings. (laughs) Well, that's a problem. (laughs) I know. So it is actually what you say, right? Yeah. But, you know, if you're at a meeting... And you say, okay, what did you guys do on this since the last meeting? And it's nothing. That's why you're having the meeting. That's why Americans have more meetings. Because that's when the work is done. So in some other countries, in the UK and Denmark, you know, where we have our lab, we have a little less meetings. Mm-hmm. Because they are doing things between the meetings and then communicating with each other. Yeah. In the United States, we're doing a little less between the meetings. And we're not communicating with each other. So if we want to, you know, now I'm I'm philosophizing a little bit here, but um, I think it would be great to have less meetings if we could accomplish what you say, do less, do the work, do more between the meetings, but also communicate with the people. Yeah. We are not great at communicating. In I this agree country. with that. I'll get, uh, you're right. Yeah. Even with the person working right next to us. Yep. So yep. I think yep. that's funny that you just said that because the last time I had a meeting with a Denmark team, not specifically ours, part of it, but also a company in Denmark, everyone around the table had to say how they were doing. Oh, ew. And I wanted to die. I, I was like, want, yeah. this is taking way too long. I'm sorry I'm cold hearted, but I could give a shit how you're doing. Exactly. When I'm at work. <laughs> it felt very American. I was like, let's just get through this. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. But it is kind of funny that you said that because we we're terrible at communicating yeah. and I that sort of summed that up for yeah, me. Yeah. 
Uh, they really it, cared how my weekend went. I do, <laughs> and just as we go on a tangent here, and I'll I'll wrap it up. I am fascinated by company cultures all the time, and 100%. Chris and I have spent a lot of hours over the years talking about co- company culture. So actually, all 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 four of us have. Um, I am always fascinated by it, and I'm certainly fascinated by communication. But then I have developed a meeting suck uh, um, rule over the years based on that too. But uh, you're, yeah, you're not wrong, Chris. You're not wrong. We all communicate a little differently, and um, yeah, I would just say you know, Zoom is the rise of eternal meetings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I hate about Zoom. <laughs> yeah, I, I if there was. A, if there was another way to do it, Justin, mm-hmm. I I would support your position. Uh, just as if there's another way to do email, I support your position. Yeah, I am yeah. so anti-email. Mm. I, I don't give a crap about media. I love meetings. I'll do meetings all day long, but I hate email. Interesting. So I'm yeah. I'm I'm more on the email side that I think it's slow, bogging down our companies. Yeah, like if I hate people, email too. If people are upset that I'm you're not that. responding to email. Okay, but are you not responding to something a staff person needs, mm-hmm. a customer needs, an innovation need? Sure, yeah. Right? Like anybody could sit in their office all day long and answer emails, but that seems kind of lame. Agreed. Well, emails you know? become the text message now, right? So yeah. it's, so, what's this, you know, it, it, it's no longer a, an info. It's, it's become a text message. I have a whole course on this. It's called Master Your Inbox <laughs> that I haven't released yet. Oh, see, I'm all about that too. So I have mastered my <laughs> inbox. And I'm all, yeah. These are all efficiency. So I'm with you on this too. Yeah. I don't want meetings or email. Yeah. I'd what I want is things to get email. done. <laughs> Quickly, without me listening to you, filibuster. Meetings, that's okay. Yeah. Email is very destructive, not because of the person who wrote it, but because the person who gets it. uh, There's a very small chance that they'll understand what you talk about, particularly if the email comes from me. Yes, that's very (laughs) true. (laughs) Maybe my new podcast is counseling white labs. But, But it's so easy to misinterpret and to not just. Person is making a point. Okay, I'll respond to that point. There's, there, they interpret everything into an email that's not their tone, whatever, and so forth. It doesn't have any tone, by the way. Mike White has a course on that. Also, email has no tone. Yeah, I, I love that. Labs, yeah. and, and so it's really about how you receive it, not how the person writes it. But take all that aside. Yeah, you're, you're going up. You're hitting yourself against a wall trying to change that culture. Yeah, and uh, so that's why meetings do help because particularly when you're trying to do a programming project or a project, you could exchange emails all day and you can have a five-minute conversation and figure it out. For sure. Uh, so my meetings are working groups. There are people doing stuff. They're, every meeting has 10 things. You know, I'm doing 20 things on this calculator. It's not two status updates. In the last two weeks. It's not status updates. You don't go around the table. Hey, no, status updates are the worst. On, you're this project. Send that in an email. We're there for one project. Yeah, I, I hope that's. Uh, but who knows? Yeah. Right, somewhere in this room, we have the perfect communication style for a business. Somewhere in the four of us, we are so close to the perfect the combo of all of us. Somewhere there. All right, but you know when we do uh, company surveys, yeah, in our staff, you know. Uh, uh, we have less than 200 people. We're not a big company, but it's more than 50, right? So it's like 
or 100 or whatever. So it's still, you know, between 100, 200 at any time. And I get the same response we got when we had 10 people or 20 people or 40, 50 people. Uh, we need to communicate better. And I think mm-hmm. every company has that. Uh, we hired people from big companies that you think have all figured out, and they go, oh, guys, you guys communicate so much better than this right. other company. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh. So it's something people care about. Yeah. And it's, a, it's an elusive challenge. No, I give you that. Uh, I give you that. But still less meetings. I have so many theories on this. We have another podcast <laughs> yeah. coming on that. All right. Well, it's wonderful to have you guys here on the show to talk about yeast. I'm actually stoked that we ended with a completely different topic just for fun. I like that sort of thing. Gives me a little excitement that when we kind of go off board there. Um, uh, go to uh, whitelabs.com. You can learn uh, all the things that we talked about today. Um, there is a constant education component going on over there. If you haven't checked out their social media recently, their YouTube page is pretty damn solid. Um, they're, they're stepping it up. They have been for a few years now. There's some really good content over there. And then, of course, the brand new um, Pure Pitch uh, Next Generation Homebrew is coming out soon. It's not even on the shelves yet, but you're going to see it very soon. Uh, you, you could see it right here on, uh, on my YouTube page uh, where we showed you some of the, the packaging um, and anyway, I'm, I think it's exciting stuff that you have going on. As always, after all these years, I still always like talking to you folks. So thanks for coming into the show. We like you too. It was fun. Good game today too, except for the Padres winning, Wendy. Well, San Diego has a pretty good team this year. Yeah, you guys are going to go to the playoffs. I'm from this area, of course, so I have a lot of love for the Giants, but lived in San Diego now for over 30 years. Makes sense. So it was a fun game to go to you with, and uh, we had a good time. It was a very tough, uh, yeah. It's a tough loss. Tough, uh, Tough loss. Tough win. I think you might have officially knocked us out of the wild card race with the sweep this week. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? But you still have a chance. Oakland. We're going to Mexico City. You can forget. But now we're going to go to Mexico City. Love it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You all have options in this room. One of which is to convert to A's in 2023. (laughs) (laughs) We might have a chance. Well, they have a stadium. (laughs) Exactly. And by the way, every year is when the A's might have a chance. Yeah. Uh, All right. Thank you for hanging out with us, everybody. We appreciate you. Thanks to all of our sponsors, including More Beer, uh, Beersmith, Home Brewing Software, still the best software out there. You want to go to Williams Brewing, williamsbrewing.com. Check them out. Also been with us for so long. Blickman Engineering, wonderful, wonderful folks over there. John Blickman's a good guy. Check out our sponsors. Support the show. Thanks for listening. This has been the session with White Labs. Go to whitelabs.com. Check them out, and we'll see you next time right here on the Brewing Network. The session is a production of the Brewing Network and brought to you by More Beer. Check them out at morebeer.com. Find more content and live video of this show on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash brewing network. For sponsorship opportunities and information, please reach out to advertising at thebrewingnetwork.com. To reach our hosts, contact feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com.